what we want to do is uh, read a scripture. I'm going to read this for you from the Bible. And this is from uh, 2 Peter. And this is in the uh, first chapter. We're going to go with verse 16. I'm going to start there. Um, so follow along with me if you will. So again, this is 2 Peter, um, first chapter, verse 16 through uh, 21. So, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that's the reading from 2 Peter, first chapter, 16 through 21. So let's, pl let's pray together. Dear God, dear God, thank you so much that you are here with us, that your word is true and is real. God, make it real in our hearts today. Help us to grow. Help us to learn. And help us to fully embrace what you brought. You came to bring life and life to the full. We thank you, dear Jesus. And it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Okay. So there's a knock at the door. We'll see what that's about. Excuse me. Good morning. Where am I? Uh, Who are is, you? This is Good News Church. My name's Parker. I'm here on staff. Come join us. Come on over. What, what, uh, who are you? Where, what are I'm, you doing? I'm Simon. Simon Peter, son of Jonah. I'm wow. from the town of Bethsaida near the Sea of Galilee. And uh, the, uh, the last thing I remember, I was in a Roman jail cell. And this guard brought in a, a strange contraption. I'd never seen anything like it. He called it a, a time machine. He said it was going to send me into the future to some point and then bring me back. And there was a light that came out of the machine. I began to twist and spin and tumble, and I landed 20 centuries future. Amazing. We are so glad you're here. This is a coincidence because look at this. We were just reading from a letter that you wrote and I, I was just reading it. I wonder if you'd be willing to share what, what your intent was. It was from the first uh, chapter of the second letter that you wrote here, and it's starting in verse 16. Would you be willing to talk about that with us? Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, sir. I'll get out of your way. <laughs> thank you, uh, Larker, Darker, Barker, uh, whatever your name. So it's some strange names this century. And you, uh, you spoke of, of people online. Uh, I'm, I'm a fisherman. I've caught many fish on a line and in a net. But uh, people online, uh, that, that doesn't sound good. I sure hope they can get off that line very soon. Well, 
let me look at this book you've handed me called call the Bible. Oh, yes, yes. I'm, I'm familiar with the first section, the Old Testament, as it's called. Yes, these are our writings from Moses, from Samuel, from David, from Isaiah, the great prophets, teachers, and leaders of Israel. And uh, there's, a, there's a second section of this book, the Bible, the New Testament. Huh. Yes, I've, I'm familiar with most of these letters uh, written to Christians and churches scattered all across the Roman Empire, written by my contemporaries, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Paul, James, yes. Oh, what, a, what an amazing collection, but I'm so puzzled. How is it that these 66 books are written in such a small volume? Where, where I'm from, scribes and those that are carefully trained copy God's Word onto scrolls of parchment and papyrus, and they're carefully guarded. They're stored in, in clay jars and read by the religious leaders. But, but here it seems that almost anyone can possess a copy of God's Word. Let me ask, how many of you possess a copy of the Holy Scriptures? Would you? How is that possible? The Scriptures in one small volume. And, and there's some kind of a, a numbering system here. Uh, this is quite different than how we wrote these letters and books. I guess these numbers uh, break up the books into chapters and, uh, and verses. Um, different than how we wrote them, but I could see how it would be helpful for referencing. Oh, what a, what a wonderful treasure you possess! The very words of God. The passage of Scripture that was read this morning, I could sum it up this way. You can trust the Word of God as your rule for faith and practice. What does that mean? It means that God's Word is trustworthy as your rule, as your authority, as your foundation for faith, what you believe, how you can stake your eternal soul upon its teachings, and for practice, how you live your life. Let's look at uh, this number 16. Oh my, how, how is it that my words appear on this large piece of parchment here. I'm amazed. But verse 16, For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. It's only been a few short years since our Lord Jesus ascended back to heaven. And yet already there are false cults, false teachers, false prophets that are distorting 
the truth of God's Word. They are spreading myths, fables, fancy stories, trying to draw people away from what God has said. But I'm writing this letter and this passage of Scripture to expose them if we are to defend ourselves against error, we must know the truth and guard it. We do not follow the teachings of the Gnostics and other false groups in my first century that are trying already to water down the gospel and change what God has said. Verses 17 and 18. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Oh, I remember it well. It was near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. One afternoon, he, he called James and John and myself to go with him up on a high mountain. He often went to the mountains to pray. But this afternoon, he invited us to go with him. And so we ascended this tall mountain. It took us a while to climb. But as we neared the top, something amazing happened. Jesus himself began to change. His face suddenly shone with a radiant light like I'd never seen before. Even his clothing, his robe began to glow. It was as if there was an inner light, an inner power from within him that was starting to burst forth. James, John, and I couldn't believe what we were seeing. He was being metamorphosed, transformed, transfigured before our very eyes. And then, as we were, were watching and looking at Jesus, we heard voices. Voices, and we turned, and, and there were two men that approached Jesus and began to talk with him about his soon departure. It took us a moment or two to realize who these men were. There was Moses, the great lawgiver, the leader of the Israelites, one of our most revered prophets. And then there was Elijah, a tremendous prophet of God who had stood against false teachers of Baal and others and had spoken for God. These two representatives of the Old Testament were there talking with Jesus. It was absolutely surreal. There was then an explosion almost. It, 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 just, it almost shook the mountain. It was a voice from heaven and the voice declared, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Oh, it scared James, John, myself to death. We fell face first on the ground. We were just quaking in fear. 
we had heard the very voice of God speaking from heaven. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. We had seen a small glimpse of the deity of Jesus that will be on full display one day when He returns in great glory and great power. What about you? What if you knew that at some point today you were going to hear the very voice of God speaking to you? What difference would that make in your day? How would you respond when God spoke to you? As we come to verses 19 through 21, I want to focus on two important truths of Scripture in these verses. One, the nature of Scripture. And two, our necessary response to the Holy Scriptures. First of all, the nature of Scripture. Look with me, uh, the first part of verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. I'm declaring that what I saw and what I heard, along with James and John, on the Mount of Transfiguration, confirmed the message of the prophets. It confirmed the prophetic word that they spoke. This is very important. Please understand that we cannot properly understand the New Testament apart from the Old Testament. It's been said the new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. Meaning what? Meaning that the New Testament is confirmed and verified. In the Old Testament, they teach the same truths, but in the Old Testament, those truths were often veiled, concealed, hidden. Sometimes the prophets and the writers of the Old Testament spoke figuratively or they spoke uh, uh, in, in ways that were sometimes uh, in, in type, typologies and ways that were difficult to understand. And yet, when Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, came, the truths of the Old Testament were revealed. I like to think of it this way. Back in Palestine, where I'm from, we have some gorgeous rose bushes. 
I, I'm not sure about here in, in St. Augustine area, but I, I, I assume that maybe you, you see rose bushes on occasion. A rose bush, you look at the bush and at certain times of the year, you see these little tiny rose buds on the bush, so small, so closed, covered with a little green leaf. They don't look like very much. But what happens when you come back a week or two later and you look at that same rose bush? Those little buds have opened. And there's a gorgeous, beautiful rose. You see the, 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 the beautiful petals. You smell the fragrance and the aroma of the rose. And so it is with the Old Testament. So often those prophecies, those words were concealed. They were like the little rosebud, hidden. But with the coming of Christ, the Messiah, the bud has opened. And we see all the beauty, all the truth of God's word in a, in a much more full, fuller way. God has given us his precious word. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. We'll come back to verse 19, but let's skip down to verse 20. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. We've talked about the nature of Scripture, how that it was concealed in the Old Testament, revealed in the New Testament. It's the same message pointing to the same person, and it's trustworthy. The nature of Scripture is trustworthy. You can trust the Word of God as your rule for faith and practice. The Word of God that we have so wonderfully been given is not written, as we've just read, by human will, human opinion. No prophecy of Scripture came from someone's, someone's own interpretation. The Bible is not man's opinion. The Bible is from God. You know, one of the greatest proofs that the Bible is from God, that it is divine and not human in origin, is its unity, the unity of Scripture. Think about this. Sixty-six books written by more than 40 human authors over a time span of 1,500 years written on three different continents in three different original languages. And yet it reads as one book. 
one message pointing to one main person, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The unity points to the divine authority and authorship of the Scriptures. Verse 21, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. No prophecy is man-produced. Not one word of these 66 books is man's opinions and idea. It is from God. Notice in verse 21 it says, Men spoke from God. God could have sent these 66 books to us by delivering them from 66 angels from heaven. He could have uh, written these 66 books on stone tablets and uh, dropped them here on earth. But he chose to use men. He chose to use humans to write and to record his holy word. And he included their personalities, their writing style, their circumstances as a part of the writing process of his word. But it's very important to embrace that he superintended what they wrote. It wasn't just man, these, four, these 40 writers, recording what they thought about God and about religious things, not at all. It was God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, giving his message to these 40-plus authors and giving us his holy word. And that's what I'm referring to, the second part of verse 21 where it says, uh, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were carried along. I'm an, I'm a, I'm an old sailor. Spent uh, many hours on the Sea of Galilee and other bodies of water. I've been in rowboats. I've been in large sailing ships. This term here, being carried along by the Holy Spirit, it's a nautical term. It's a term that pictures a sailing ship ready to sail from one port to another port. The sailors have loaded the ship and gotten all its cargo and everything's ready to go. And they unfurl the sails on the ship. Well, just because they unfurl the sails and set the sails, does that mean the ship's going anywhere? No. What has to happen? What's going to move that ship, carry that ship along on the water? It's the wind. The wind has to catch those sails, and once the wind catches the sails, that ship is carried along on the water. 
And I'm trying to communicate here that it's, it's the Holy Spirit that is the power source, that is the wind that catches the sails of these 40-plus authors, Old and New Testament writers, to give us God's Word. This is not man's opinion. This is God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, working and empowering and giving the message to these writers to give us the Holy Scriptures. And this is why we believe the Bible is inerrant and infallible, meaning that the original manuscripts were without error. It is from God. And that His Word is divinely inspired, not man-inspired. The nature of the Scriptures is that it's trustworthy. You can trust the Word of God as your rule for faith and practice because it truly is from God. Though He used human authors, it's His Word that you and I hold today. Let's go back up to verse 19 and conclude with our necessary response to Scripture. We've talked about the nature of Scripture. What's our response? The second part of verse 19. You will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You would do well to what? Pay attention. That term, pay attention, our response is God calls us as we come to His Word, to the sacred scriptures. Pay attention. It can be translated, consider carefully. Devote yourself to. Apply yourself. Give your best effort. Be intentional when you come to the Scriptures. This is not like any other book that you will ever pick up and read. This is divinely given. Our response, our call is to pay attention and to devote ourselves to the very words of God. Why? Well, we could come up with several good answers, but let's answer it with a question. Question. What two things does God esteem, prioritize, value, elevate above all else? The Bible tells us there's two things that He esteems above all else. Do you know what those are? Don't you think those are pretty important? If God has these as His top priorities, as he's, He esteems these above all else. Thankfully, uh, we know the answer. 
the psalmist tells us in Psalm 138, verse 2. The psalmist says, You have esteemed above all else your name and your word. That's God's priority. That's what God uh, elevates above everything else. You would do well to pay attention, to devote yourself to that. Verse 19 continues, you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. The dark place mentioned here, the darkness, some of your translations say darkness. It's not referring to physical darkness. It's referring to the moral darkness, the depravity, the evil, the sinfulness in our broken, corrupt world. These false teachers, these cults, these the Gnostics and others who are watering down the gospel and proclaiming myths and fables, they are a part of the darkness. Our own sinful nature that wants to pull us away from the truths of God's Word, the sin and brokenness around us. You would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in darkness. The lamp is the Word of God. The God's Word shines, and it exposes that darkness. It shows us what is evil, what is wrong. It shows us the hoods. It shows us the errors. And it warns us not to go and embrace those teachings and truths. But the lamp of God's Word, the light of God's Word, also shines and shows us the path that we should take, the way that we should go. I love the psalmist who says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, and the light unto my path. And this lamp and its light continues to shine until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. What's that referring to? Till the day dawns. Friends, it's referring to the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We celebrate His first coming at Christmas, His first advent. But the Bible over and over proclaims that He is coming again. And this time it will be in great power, in great glory, in splendor. He will vanquish every evil. He will establish His kingdom. He will rule without a rival.
We look forward to that day. When Jesus returns and the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. talked about our necessary response to Scripture. And it's really twofold. First, you would do well to let the light of Scripture shine in your heart and show you your need of the morning star. Who is the morning star? My brother John, in the very last book of the Bible, the very last chapter of the Bible, tells us who that morning star is. He's quoting our Savior, Jesus Christ. Revelation twenty-two, sixteen: I, Jesus, am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Oh, friend, without Him, we do live in darkness. We are separated from God. Our sin separates us from God, and we have no hope apart from the morning star. Have you recognized your need of the bright morning star, of the Messiah? Have you let Him shine His light into your heart, into your soul, showing you your sinfulness, your need of salvation, and the salvation that He offers? I'm so grateful that Jesus, the Messiah, the morning star, died was buried and rose again so that he and his light of salvation could rescue us from our sin and give us eternal life. And if you have never received him as your personal Savior, won't you do that this morning? Won't you say yes to Jesus this morning? Today is the day of salvation for you if you've never done that. If you have received the morning star, if you've embraced Him as your Lord and Savior, may I ask you, as we think about our necessary response to Scripture, be honest. What is your love level, your commitment, your thirst, your hunger for God's Word? Earlier we read that the two things God esteems above all else, His name. It's the name above every name. His Word, that is forever and established in the heavens. Do you hunger and thirst for the scriptures? 
Are they more important to you than the daily food that you eat? Remember the words of Jesus, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Be honest and just let the Holy Spirit inventory your heart this morning, Christian. How passionate are you toward the Holy Scriptures? Are you cold and callous? Are you lukewarm, indifferent? Or is the Word of God more important to you than your daily food? This is our spiritual food. Are you craving it and thirsting after it and pursuing it and then as you read and meditate on it, are you obeying the truth of God's Word, putting it into practice? On a scale from 1 to 10, again, be honest. Let the Holy Spirit help you here. On a scale from 1 to 10, what is your hunger and thirst for the Word of God? If we're honest, I, I don't think any of us would say we're a 10. I, I certainly would not say that. Maybe you would say, I'm about a 6. This morning, would you pray and ask God to help you move to a seven? To help you grow and move toward a greater love and devotion and obedience to the Word of God. Earlier, we also... Ask the question, what if you knew that you were going to hear God's voice today? You knew you were going to hear God speaking to you. What would you do? Well, my brothers and sisters, reality is each time we open the Holy Bible and we read, God is speaking to you. Just as certainly as I heard His audible voice on the holy mountain, God is speaking to us each time we open and read His precious Word. Let me encourage you this morning. I'll soon have to go back to that Roman jail but I want to encourage you this morning in your love and devotion and hunger and commitment for God's Word. This morning, as you think about receiving God's Word, and each day this week, many of you may have a quiet time, a devotional time where you open and read His Word. And I hope you read His Word on Sundays, even before you come to church, to prepare your heart to receive and hear from God. But let me encourage you and help you in growing in that endeavor. 
And it's with a simple prayer. I call it the I-O-U prayer. I think you'll remember that. I-O-U. It's prayers from the Psalms that help us focus on the two things that God esteems above all else. What are they? His name, His word. The I and the O focus on the word of God. The U focuses on the name of God. The I-O-U prayer. Before you read his word, would you pr simply pray, I incline my heart to your testimonies. As we pray that, we say, Lord, my heart, it's prone to wander. It's prone to stray. It's prone to not believe your promises. It's prone to be distracted by all the trinkets of the world around. My heart is so prone to wander. Oh God, would you please, as I read your word now, incline my heart to your testimonies. Then, oh, open my eyes to see wonderful things out of your law, out of your word. Lord, this is a supernatural book. It's divinely given. It's not like any other book I'll ever read. Oh God, as I read your word now, open my eyes. I need you, Holy Spirit, to teach me. I need you to shed your light in my heart to love you more, to follow you, to hunger and thirst after you. And then you, focusing on God's name, unite my heart to fear your name. Lord, I hear people all around me taking your holy name in vain. Disregarding your name. They don't esteem and love it. But oh God, you've given me a love for you because of Christ. And I pray today that as I read your word, that you would unite my heart to fear and love and revere and honor and obey and cherish you above all else. Well, I soon have to go back to the Roman jail. But I have great joy in my heart that God's promises are worthy and that His great and precious promises are sure. I know that execution and martyrdom awaits me maybe just a matter of weeks. But I hope in God, in Christ. What I saw on the Mount of Transfiguration, confirmed by His Word, in Christ. Oh my. 
May your love, your commitment to the Holy Scriptures continue to grow until the day you meet the living Word, the bright and morning star face to face. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, humbly we give thanks for your written word. Thank you that it is completely trustworthy, a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. And we give thanks for the living word, the bright and morning star, the promised Messiah, our Savior, Jesus Christ. This week, may we exalt and prioritize what you do. May we exalt your name and your word above all else. For it's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me for the closing benediction? God's blessing upon you. This comes from this second letter, the very last verse in this letter. Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Shalom.